factor is socialism. some smack that was some good shit um that was promoter man by tribesman i i will post that all up in the links and whatnot uh support that black hoodie rap i'm back and so are you thank you for joining me i appreciate you returning it's been a minute i think we got some interesting shit to get into enlightenment versus disillusionment and some of the stuff in between there now, don't get me wrong. I don't expect to answer questions fully. These are kind of timeless questions, but I think there will be some good food for thought in here, as I always hope to give. And I think, I think there will be some. Um, I don't know. I perhaps some sentiments underrepresented. Um, I'm certainly not the only one to have them, but perhaps underrepresented, and. You know, before we get into that, um, I hope everyone had a good start to the new year. Everyone I've been talking to has been doing all right, but it seems like there was a lot of carryover. I'm not one to get into horoscopes, really, but maybe there's some sort of horoscopic explanation for it. Um, I don't entirely discount astrology as the philosophy of astronomy, as I've said before, but yeah. Um, I got sick over the New Year's with first, let's just recap. Um, all the regular holidays in celebrating with multiple families. Um, and then I had a couple birthdays at the end of December. And then I had uh, an anniversary on New Year's. Uh, and I got sick a bunch in between then. It was like the same sickness that put me in bed twice and like within like a 10 day period or so. Um, and then, you know, some other business stuff, you know, catching up on work and work was slammed and um, even tried to, I tried to put a little bit extra sauce on this episode. Um, and some of that is going to have to wait. So th this would have come out last week, but had to reassess last minute a little bit. It's going to be the same episode. I'm actually re-recording it and fleshing it out a bit more. Um, so I think it's going to be good for those reasons. 
So anyway, sorry about the break. We're back. Um, and for anyone that's new, I think this is going to be a pretty good indicator of the show and the tone in general. Um, I don't like to take myself too seriously, but uh, I give life a certain amount of gravity because I've seen, you know, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to romanticize or even embellish my experiences, um, but, you know, I've I've had my own dark nights of the soul. Um, and we'll probably get into some of that. I have in the past, most certainly. Um, but when considering the differences between enlightenment and disillusionment, uh, firstly, I think it's important to state that there is often, um, often I think the two are used interchangeably. And uh, there is a bit of a, there's, there's a sizable Venn diagram there, but um, they have to be understood as mutually exclusive and sort of, or somewhat exclusive. And we have to understand the separate parts. And actually, while I was sick, recovering from being sick, um, I finally sat down and read Fight Club. I mean, of course, I'd seen the movie many times, but I figured it was about time to read the book, especially after talking with my homie Eric Millar in the last episode. We brought that up a little bit. Uh, and he was most certainly right. It, the book is its pretty true. The movie is pretty true to the book. The book uh, comes across even more visceral and even more psychoanalytic. Um, it was very interesting. Great book. Um, I feel like that's a book that could only be written by a Pisces, if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah, Chuck Palahniuk was born a day before this guy. So, you know, that Pisces action. Uh, but seriously, the whole duality. Um, people who say that, um, as a side note, uh, that astrology is only general bullshit. There's a, a lot of astrology that is general bullshit, but you need to look into the uh, the stuff that's a bit more timeless, the stuff that's a bit more esoteric, and it's still debatable, all the all the mechanisms, um, but it's certainly not generic, that's for sure. But I digress. No, this is about astrology. And okay, I get I give a little teaser there. Uh, before I go any further, though, I do want to say I'm pleased to announce uh, that there's going to be some more music on the show. I still have a lot of, you know, just boom bap hip hop, the the shit I love. Um, but I'm going to be diversifying the shit that I love that I'm uh, letting you in on. Because, you know, there's certain things that are uh, niche tastes that you know are niche and you wouldn't necessarily, you wouldn't necessarily show just anybody. Uh, but that being said... I think if I was going to play any sort of metal and punk rock on the show, these are some good picks. Uh, I'm going to play a little bit of Doc Hammer later, and I will definitely be bumping their shit um, consistently. I also have uh, been talking with bands Negative Blast and Mutt, M-U-T-T. -T. Some, it's some good stuff. And I must say, um, um, I've known of Doc Hammer for much longer, so uh, to be able to actually start bumping their music is very exciting um it's the kind of stuff as much as i love punk and different kinds of metal and plenty of other genres as well if i was in any band i did have a garage band at one point in high school um that i'm not bragging about at all but uh, if there was any band i feel like it would be one of these kind of bands that i was in uh love doc hammer and Doc Hammer is, uh, if you're in the California area and happen to be listening to this and want to go see a really kick-ass uh, show with, I'm sure, plenty of alcohol and plenty of moshing, go check it out. Uh, Doc Hammer, at the time of releasing, is doing some shows out there. So for whatever it's worth, um, yeah, check it out. So Enlightenment. I've got a little bit of a bone to pick with Enlightenment. Because, uh, see, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. A friend came to me, and it was just an honest question. Um, you know, if the Buddha, any one of those um, monomyth characters, if you will, to use a Joseph Campbell term, um, that sort of shouldered the burden of a great 
deal of people in one way or another. Well, in some form or another, they claimed an enlightenment. So who's to say that um, this is not something that we could all achieve? Well, I think that this is a weird topic, and I am a cynical, jaded bastard, So, um, but I'm going to give enlightenment its due credit. So there's going to be a little bit of back and forth because I'm not, I'm not trying to sell anybody on anything. You know, you can always go buy my books, but like, you're not going to, you're not going to get any, you're not going to change your life from them. If anything, I hope to give you the food for thought to uh, make your own decisions. That's, that's all I'm trying to do really. And I think that enlightenment is overrated and misunderstood and I prefer disillusionment. So I've got some quotes I'd like to read you from some different people that I think will really help um, articulate my mentality and where I, I um, have come from, I guess you could say, what has inspired me and, and the things that even when I'm doing well, like I really can't complain about life, you know, thank God. Um, even though there's things to improve always, you know, things are... I'm thankful right now. I'm never going to forget, you know, these dark nights of the soul and they help define me. So this is a quote by Robert Persig, who wrote the old school classic uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. If you haven't read that, it still holds up. It's a great, great book. Um, and it has that dark edge to it that you don't expect from a book like this. And I found it all the more just it it. it it enthralled me all the more um, reading it as a teenager. Uh, so here we go. Along the streets that lead away from the apartment, he can never see anything through the concrete and brick and neon, but he knows that buried within it are grotesque, twisted souls, forever trying manners that will convince themselves they possess quality, learning strange poses of style and glamour vended by the dream magazines and other mass media and paid for by the vendors of substance. He thinks of them at night, alone with their advertised glamorous shoes and stockings and underclothes off, staring through the sooty windows at the grotesque shelves revealed beyond them. When the poses weaken and the truth creeps in, the only truth that exists here, crying to heaven, God, there is nothing here but dead neon and cement and brick. I don't know, maybe some of that missed some of you, but that quote still gives me chills. Because I've, I've felt both sides of that night. And I'm sure a lot of you have. So that's disillusionment. We'll get into enlightenment a little more, but um, some of you at least are probably familiar with the godfather of chaos magic, Peter Carroll. He has a very punk rock mentality um, in his own right, and it's very obvious in some of his work here. So just some quotes about liberation and enlightenment it is a mistake to consider any belief more liberated than another it is the possibility of change which is important every new form of liberation is destined to eventually become another form of enslavement for most of its adherents there is no freedom from the duality on this plane of existence but one may at least aspire to the choice of duality Every new form of liberation is destined to eventually become another form of enslavement for most of its adherents. As jaded and cynical as that may sound, I think, I don't think you, I think you, the more you, you consider that, the more you can't shake it. That's why I think religion is not the answer. I think mysticism is the answer. Because it's, it's something that you can share with other people and you can relate to with other people. But nothing can replace your connection to the cosmos or the divine. And, you know, that's about as wooey as you get me saying most of the time. Because I don't sell enlightenment. I'm not even looking for it. And you won't hear me talk about frequencies or vibrations on this show. I don't talk about quantum physics very often. I do love to talk about chaos theory, though. Here's another quote I like from Peter Carroll. The starry-eyed idealists of today have submerged their critical faculties beneath a tidal wave of slop marketed by those old hippies who now sell a user-friendly delusion of their original enlightenment. 
Never discard the negative roots of any equation. Always look at the dark side of any enlightenment. And just for record, delusion is D-I-L-U-T-I-O-N. Like to delude something, not to have a delusion. But you could think about it either way, and it, it would probably apply. So what, what do what is the point then? If you're interested in magic or mysticism or metaphysics or anything like that, the unexplainable, what's the point if you're not looking for enlightenment? It's a good question, I think. Um, but before that, let's sink our teeth into enlightenment a little more. Now, assuming, because there is a likelihood that they were real, and these are the characters I'm most familiar with uh, through exposure in my life, Buddha and Christ. There's a likelihood that they were both real, at least in one form or another. Probably more likely that the Buddha existed, but, you know, and that kind of depends on who you ask. Um, and not everyone's a wackadoo with uh, these ideas. It is interesting. Some people think that uh, there's all sorts of theories about what uh, what Jesus especially was doing, right? People can't really seem to pin him down as well. And there's most certainly some astrological stuff at play in the creation of the story. But Christ could have still been a real person. Um, so let's assume that they found enlightenment. What What really is that? Because... I think the cartoon version is you're just sort of on a floating on a cloud constantly. Nothing can really impact you or phase you. Um, and you sort of, you have hacked society and culture in terms of your placement in it and, and therefore have no need to, um, expect or get any anything out of it on that human level you just are and you're just constantly um at peace and and you can potentially sense more of the the vibration of the cosmos um i think that even when you analyze the characters that embody enlightenment you don't find that that's ridiculous you know, not not even the Buddha was so cartoonish. Um, he was still a person. So I had a friend come to me and say, if people like the Buddha could be enlightened, then what's stopping people from being enlightened right now? Like how many people around us are actually demonstrably, demonstrably enlightened? Well, that's an interesting question. <laughs> that's something that science just doesn't have the faculties to really tackle yet because we still don't really we certainly don't have a scientific understanding of consciousness so how in the fuck would we have a scientific understanding of the enlightenment of such consciousness but i'm sure as many of you know there's so many different case studies where we can see different kinds of monks a lot of them are buddhist but not exclusively hooked up to different, um, I believe that'd be EEG monitors, although there's probably different um, things that they're monitoring. And they're, they're essentially um, mapping the brain waves of monks. And, and um, um, didn't, yeah, Carl Sagan's future wife, the woman he eventually married, um, when she decided that she was going to say yes to marrying him, she went and had her brain scanned as well, like her brain waves documented. And that's a, the whole thing you can look up. I can't remember the outcome, but it was supposed to be very poetic. <laughs> I think it's like a sound you can hear and it's like cool tonal frequencies. Um, and then they ended up putting that on like the disc that they shot out into space for any theoretical ETs that would stumble across it along with like the Vitruv the Vitruvian man and other things. So brain scans are powerful, like the brain waves. And when we see like monks in deep meditation, um, or even um, like in the Western sense, I know that uh, different priests and things have been willing to um, 
consume psilocybin for the sake of study and have also been willing to admit that it is very similar to their meditative prayer state and what they would call some sort of communion with God. Obviously um, a bit controversial, but not without its merit. And at this point, something like that really has to be disproven more than it has to be proven. Although nothing is without burden of proof, of course. But so like psychedelics, a form of enlightenment is enlightenment like a post psychedelic state where that is normal for you. And not only is it normal, but like, it's not a hindrance. You just operate and that's a higher level. I don't think that's right. You hear people pitching that. I think that's a misstep though. Not to say psychedelics can't be enlightening. I think they can, uh, I think they can radically alter our perspectives in ways that can be highly beneficial and but that's not the whole answer not by any stretch what enlightenment at least does seem to be is having some sort of spiritual permanence i want to say something like a fortress but it's not so um foreboding but it's just as strong it's it's something that it's someone that clearly has the capacity to take everything in stride and see many strides ahead. Not like in a, a thought reading or a future telling sense, but in just such a, a keen intuitive sense. I'm sure intuition plays a, a, a huge factor in it. But how would you actually literally become enlightened? Well, supposedly there are steps like ingredient lists. You know, you go through the Buddhism has so many different lists it's all lists um and so there's different stages of enlightenment in varied explanations like they're all lists explaining the multi the multifaceted layers of a large model um and suffice it to say unless this whole episode was going to be dedicated to that um i'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail i can't pronounce those words so well anyway We'll probably have Justin Otto on to flesh that out a bit more sometime as well, my good friend who hosts a Dharma Junkie podcast. And you can find these different prescriptions in other disciplines as well, particularly in the East, because they seem to be, whereas the West, there are degrees of enlightenment to ascertain. It seems to be more enlightenment in the East is knowing the mind of God in the West or something similar to that. Like when uh, Dante um, at the end of the divine comedy enters the mind of God and like sees the, the, the celestial rose of the cosmos and surely being able to understand the depth of life and the pulse of life would give you more of an attunement to it. So I'm sure there's something there, but it's certainly not. It's just like, you look at the pioneers of music and you see, I'm just going to go with an example that's in my head, a uh, vision of disorder. I was listening to them recently. Um, and it just so suffice it to say they were pioneers in the nineties and two thousands of uh, hardcore and metal uh, being fused in a way that wasn't super generic um, and vision of disorder. Well, they're 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 considered legends if you like that kind of music. Well, listen to a band like Doc Hammer, underground, not considered legends, just because less exposure, and they've been around not nearly as long. They're they're also in a well-trod genre because they love it. I'd be doing the same thing if I were them. Um. You have extra impact if you're one of the first to do something. It's not rocket science. It's just kind of the way things work. And some people get lucky, I guess. You know, um, some people just do something first and they don't even do it the best. They just did it first and that's it. So I think if someone's enlightened, you know, and I'm not trying to trash anybody's religion or spiritual mentality, but I'm not one to. The people that I respect the most are the jaded, cynical ladies and gentlemen and folk out there 
um, despite those dark nights of the soul, are still, despite their disillusionment, are still good people. Um, and I don't find interest in the people that are perfect. The Dalai Lama sounds boring as fuck. I don't, I don't care to meet him. I don't care to meet anybody like that. Uh, I'm not going to turn them down if I happen to cross paths with them, but I'm not going to go out of my way. You know, I, I love playing some of the musicians on my show so much because these people are so fucking talented. And the only reason they don't have exposure, you know, they, where they're making millions is just because they're doing it for the love. They're perfecting it. They're not pioneering it. They're perfecting it. And there's really something to be said for that. Just really doing it for the love of the game. So when I hear people talk about steps of enlightenment, um, it just it just sounds like someone trying to, you know, become like a a TikTok celebrity. It's all well and good if you're receiving a lot of traction on social media platforms. I'm not trashing people who know how to work that stuff. And I do a little bit of it of my own, but you know, I'm not on TikTok. But again, I'm not trashing you for doing that. I'm just saying if you're getting on TikTok too specifically or anything like that, just to be famous, it seems a little grabby. It seems a little desperate. And I think that you should be doing something that you're passionate about and not just trying to get some fame. It's the same thing with enlightenment. Like, why are you so fucking interested in this? Um, because a lot of people seem to just want it for the bragging rights. It makes a lot more sense to me to go retire to a monastery for the rest of your life to dedicate yourself to creating, or not creating, but uncovering the most elaborate spiritual, mental, psychological life that you could possibly uncover, you know, to find ways to connect with the cosmos in ways that you would never be able to in the world around you. But, and you know, Interestingly, the Buddha didn't retire to a monastery to achieve his enlightenment, um, not in the way that some people do for their whole lives. But he did practice a severe form of asceticism. You know, the, the prince left the palace and, and lived in the trenches. He nearly died a couple times, one of them from starvation. And I can relate to that. I, you know, I'm not princely. But middle class, didn't grow up in the projects, um, and and I left and saw a lot a lot more grit after leaving. Um, and and I think in many ways disillusionment comes before an enlightenment. But let's keep picking apart at this. We'll come back to disillusionment. I think let's rip this off like a band aid. Big misconception. Just because you're quote-unquote enlightened doesn't make you a good person. Is it possible? I'm not saying I wholeheartedly believe this either, this part here. This is, but I think that this is worth considering, and I don't know where I'm going to land after continuing to mull it over, but I'm mulling it over. I really do believe that you don't have to be, so altruism is not a prerequisite of enlightenment, uh, but how far does that go? Um can you say that someone could be like evil or psychopathic and be enlightened? Enlightenment, and some would argue this, sure, and I get it, uh, but it seems to me that enlightenment does is not indicative of if, if if we're taking this out of the folkloric, mythological context. What does it mean in a practical sense? We see all these brain waves. We know that we can stimulate different parts of the brain, like the temporal lobe. Um, and have intense uh, mystical religious experiences and that people with temporal lobe epilepsy have these experiences often. So what is going on here? Is it a mechanism or is it something more? Or is it a mechanism that is playing into something more? I think it's probably some of both. But we can't deny the mechanisms at play. So enlightenment to me seems that if you put in, if you follow the ingredients 
if you follow the list and you put in the right ingredients and you meditate like a motherfucker a lot, you put in thousands of hours, however much it adds up to, would your brain would change, right? It probably would. I bet it would because we know we could see the studies with meditation and how it facilitates the brain and communication between the different hemispheres and things like that. So I'm sure it would change. But would that inherently make you more altruistic? I don't think there's any evidence to show that. Not so far, at least. And if anything, I would be willing to bet otherwise. Because I've thought about this a lot, and I cannot shake the fact that I think that anyone that is talking about being enlightened on like social media or is really peddling stuff... I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not even saying I wouldn't be willing to have a conversation with you. I think you're full of shit. Granted, there could be exceptions to every rule, you know? And and theoretically, there has to be. But I just think in my gut, my gut tells me that someone truly enlightened isn't interested in talking about it in that capacity. Not in those terms. They don't feel the need to put that label on it. And I've never claimed enlightenment. Um, the only thing I've ever been close to claiming is I have a working understanding of alchemy in the psychotherapeutic, psychoanalytic sense. And in some physical senses, no, I'm not turning lead to gold, but more classical botany and things like that. Um, and Jung talked about this alchemical process in different ways, sort of the, the sacred alchemical marriage of the light and dark, the different hemispheres, the conscious, the unconscious. There's many different uh, dualities in unison that play into this. That's why it's so esoteric. But it's um, the union of opposites. All of these things in and of themselves are not scientific at their ends. They're scientific in their premise, especially now, because we can flesh these things out more. We don't know where they end, per se. That's why Jung's black and red books are so fascinating, for example. But we can see where they begin. And what I can say is I've done a lot of work within myself to begin this individuation process. I'm by no means, I don't even try to chart. It's not like a journey to me where I'm trying to get to the end of it. I just know that I've seen results that people in my life have seen results, friends, family, you know, you look at me now compared to when I was 16, 17, 18, people didn't know how long I was going to make it back then. Some of them. So, um, and to me, that is, that's always been the focus to me is the union of opposites so that we can find some sort of completeness. Some completeness and some contentment. I don't want to be sheltered from the world. I don't want to be above it. I want to see what it has to offer. I want to experience it. I want to get dirty sometimes. And I just realized... um I kind of am creeping up on that commercial break. I'm about to miss it. So I'm just going to jump in real quick um, and we'll be right back. I know that's a, that's a pretty hard break there, but bear with me. Here's some Doc Hammer. This one is another real banger. I'm excited. Hope you dig it. Go 
Thousands of people are having paranormal experiences with ghosts, demons, shadow people, dogmen, Bigfoot, and more. Their stories need to be told, and they are being told. Dark Waters, the renowned storyteller, invites you to join at IamDarkWaters.com. For just a few dollars a month, you can listen to some of the most hair-raising and compelling stories on the planet. You'll have access to real-life stories told by Dark Waters, thousands of hours of content. Their encounters are being told and told by the best at IamDarkWaters.com. Listen to stories like The Rabbit Man, The Dogman Encounter in Silas, Alabama, The Man with No Face, The Other Woman, A Day Ahead of the Devil, Dogman Murder in Hurricane Ida, even a story of someone trying to kill a dogman. Louisiana Water Demon Stories. Sign up today and become a member at IamDarkWaters.com. That's IamDarkWaters.com. Listen. As we explore the mysteries of the universe, the unknown, high strangeness, consciousness, and our human potential, Lighting the Void is an eclectic program that strives to ignite the late night with stimulating conversations. Join us on The Fringe FM. Musicians experience a lot of frustration with music marketing and promotion. They have no idea how to get their music heard. And they're spending hours sending emails, making phone calls, and hitting up their friends to promote them. With our industry-powered digital marketing platform, we can set up your media plan in minutes. Our team will automatically distribute your music across all the best channels, so you can focus on actually making the music. Submit your music today on our website at mymusicpromoter.com. That's mymusicpromoter.com. The Natural Born Alchemist podcast is a podcast that covers topics like alchemy, shamanism, psychedelics, anarchism, and philosophy. Join Alex, that's me, and a multitude of guests on a quest to discover the nature of reality, of spirit, and of consciousness. Each episode will also introduce you to new music that you might never have heard before. You can find the podcast on most platforms. Simply search for Natural Born Alchemist or go directly to naturalbornalchemist.com. There you'll be able to find all the social media links as well. Freedom is in the mind. Sticking with me through that break. Or just fast forwarded through it. Thanks for being here still. One more quote for you. But you said try. You know, most everybody's heard this, but just because it's great and it's fresh on my mind. Here it is. You know what it is. We don't have a great war in our generation or a great depression, but we do have a great war of the spirit we have a great revolution against the culture the great depression is our lives we have a spiritual depression now part of what makes fight club so interesting is because the first half of the book or story in general is so highly relatable at least to a lot of us including myself um and then it goes to such extents but i think if anything it helps shed a little bit of light on the cultish mentality, you know, whether that cult be domestic terrorism or more religious Um, and how it starts with radical forms of therapy in a way. And, and, but 
and and that part seems to really get people going because there's progress there in many cases but no one knows no one has a clear end goal in mind and so they can be led in all sorts of different places they see the proof initially but they're not looking at it like a scientist and you know that's a little bit of a a different rabbit hole that just gave me pause i will say this i'll just leave it as a little tiny rabbit hole but we'll talk about it later i've been looking into you know they say like newtonian science or um uh cartesian science that's because um descartes and newton and others sort of won out on the models of how we perceive and examine and experiment with the scientific principles in essentially a mechanistic way. Well, Gautier, you know, the, the who famously wrote Faust or did a rendition of Faust that is the most epic by far. And he was a known botanist um, and scientist in other rights with like color theory and different things. He, there's a, there's a, a Gautian science approach to science that is no less empirical, but far more existential. And to explain any more would just derail everything. But, you know, you, you can think about that on your own time and we'll get there later. But um, if you want more food for thought about all this, I would say go down that rabbit hole yourself. Um, because we're devoid, even though science is so beautiful and useful and, you know, invaluable it is devoid of spirit in the sense of just we don't know there's no placement for humanity and humanity is a quantifiable measurable thing we do have humanity in us in the sense of um genuine altruism and love for each other so yeah i mean those things shouldn't be discounted because they play a role in the natural order the natural law you can see them not just in humans but our own little touch of it is that humanity, right? So people go down these rabbit holes and I get why. I I understand how, how rational people, I think. I mean, I get it as far as I can wrap my head around it. I don't know if I'll ever be able to fully put myself in their shoes, but I know that in my darkest times, um, I was willing, I was still skeptical about everything, but I was willing to look into anything. That's why you hear me talk about um, the plus science of Christianity and LeVay Satanism in the same breath, just because, you know, I don't think that uh, anyone has the whole truth. And I don't think that any of these things, while they are, there are deep principles to understand about these things, I don't think that any of them are literal. Consider this when it comes to degrees of enlightenment and taking steps and how some people might sell you on basic ingredients lists. So I'm sure most of you are at least familiar with the name B.F. Skinner. Well, he did this interesting study with pigeons once and in effect taught pigeons to be superstitious in a way. And what he did is he fed pigeons essentially just at random times um, and found that in more often than not, whatever the pigeon happened to be doing you know, whatever pattern it could drum up, whether it happened to be fluttering its wings, um, you know, twice at random or whatever. There's a whole variety of ways, but it all came to, um, interestingly enough, a pigeon's developing um, causal explanations of how to get the food. They thought they had figured out ways to get the food. Oh, if I do this, and they came up with a variety of different ways. Um, but none of them actually were the thing that was getting them the food. It was all at random. And so their mind was just trying to grasp at something, at the insanity. And humans most certainly do that. So I think a lot of times people have no idea what the fuck they're doing. They just stumble onto shit and then brag about it. And if you're not careful, you might just end up as a basic generic definition in the DSM, you know, the psychiatric textbook manual. I think a lot of these times people think that they're going, they feel like they're going into uncharted territory in their brains and, you know, people are going to misunderstand them. People don't get me anymore. Um, and they don't realize that, you know, doing, if you, you know, there's plenty of people out there like this, you know, you're doing um, 
tarot readings for every decision you make. It's it, it you know, think about what a therapist would say if they were seeing that. Tarot is all well and good, but for every decision, about checking your horoscope every day. And you know, I mean, hey, you could check your horoscope every day, but basing too many of your life decisions on that and taking it without a grain of salt, um, I think that would be the real issue. But um, all of these things in moderation, even spirituality, because if you overdose on this stuff, all it's going to do is embolden the 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 most neurotic aspect of you just beneath the surface. And for me, it was disassociation and depersonalization. You know, I played contact sports when I was a kid. I got some concussions that uh, seemed to contribute to um, a change in, in my personality a little bit, you know, and in ways that, you know, I don't need to go into the semantics, but suffice it to say, it wasn't just puberty. And we looked into some medications and I ended up getting on like Zoloft and Clonopin. And um, there was even a mood stabilizer in there. Risperdone, that's what it was. Um, and it all just really numbed me and didn't and intensified and sort of snowballed into a very serious state of depersonalization that um, the concussions I'm sure didn't help with. And my inability to have any feedback, to register feedback from other people because I was so doped up really just left me adrift at a young age and to the point where when I finally found some inkling of freedom in metaphysics and trying to understand what was you know beyond the veil so to speak um the the neurosis that it emboldened emboldened in me first was my depersonalization and I truly couldn't shake the fact that I just didn't seem to exist. And I've heard other people talk about this. It manifests itself for people differently because this is, a, you know, a sort of a cognitive disorder. It's like a biofeedback thing. Well, I'll talk about biofeedback more in a second. It's a little bit of foreshadowing um, because it's not something that you're chronically locked in. Although, you know, under extreme states of duress, I haven't been there in a long time, but, you know, I could, I can depersonalize and not in this, that doesn't equate to a delusion that I don't exist, but you get so numb and you just sort of have to not be around anybody. You can't connect to anything. There's so much stress and tension that you start to shut down. And that is the lightest phase of it because there's three stages of, um, reaction to trauma there's fight flight or freeze and depersonalization is the elongated freeze of the identity of the personality it just felt like i truly didn't exist i must be it must be reverse solipsism where i'm just a ghost in everyone else's dream because i didn't feel real i couldn't feel anything about my life um and i remember once thinking like why don't i feel things it's not like i don't I can't feel, I feel my emotions, but I can't, why is there a disconnect? Like I, I, and I think that a lot of that was being so bled out from my own traumas that I was just a wounded puppy, just um, so doped up that I was just unsure of how to forge proper friendships and relationships. And so I clumsily, you know, really clumsily worked my way through some of those both and just made more messes. And, you know, it took me a while of going further and remaining skeptical of everything, even my own suspicions that I didn't exist in those ways. Um, you find solid ground and you find that even though there's so much more that meets the eye and there's so many things that we'll never understand about the world around us and ourselves. You can find some solid ground. Um, and you know, there's that, that's, that's me, but there's other things too. And, you know, there was a time in my life where I was diagnosed, um, the lighter version of bipolar. I can never remember which two it is, but it's one that's more severe. And I had the less severe one. 
And I mean, that was when I was young. It also could have been a misdiagnosis, but you know, friends and family can attest to this day that I don't go through those mood swings. And you, when I was younger, I did, uh, but it's been a long time. Even in stressful situations, I don't fall into that, that sort of oscillating pattern. So the brain can adapt, I do think. I don't know. It's probably different for each person depending on how much. And I, I absolutely attribute cannabis and psychedelic therapy to you know, helping me with that. But not those things exclusively, but definitely helped. They played an invaluable role. So I think it's clear that I'm interested in therapy, not enlightenment. And best case scenario, they're on the same continuum, but the further you get into enlightenment, the more it just seems braggadocious in a way that's not fun. It's not like hip hop where it's like, I'm the best rapper. Let's spit some bars or even metal. Like let's kick some ass or whatever. It's good to feel confident about yourself sometimes, but enlightens that seems like some pompous like napoleonic julius caesar type shit like you're a spiritual conqueror and it seems definitely played out um and like i said there's been a lot regardless of what the numbers are i wish i knew that'd be a fun statistic to know there's been a lot of people who have been enlightened and anyone doing it now even if they are bragging about it like you're not the first so it's kind of played out now I think it's a lot more interesting to individuate and find a completeness, whatever that completeness may be, you know, in the name of altruism for yourself and others. But trying to ascend just seems like the very nature of it is just trying to like lord over people, right? And I'm never going to be about that. That's never what my studies are going to be about. That's not what my mysticism is geared towards. If anything, I truly believe that this is, and I think that there's a whole lot of evidence to show this. I don't even think it's disputable. Mysticism and the mystical states playing out active imagination. These are the things that I do, you know, sometimes just meditation, sometimes um, talking with Hermes in my active imagination. It's been some time. I need to do it again. But these things like artificial dreams, like, like conjured dreams, in trance states. This is not something that I just do. This is the nature of the mystical thing, and anybody can do it. There's a lot of science out there, and this is not a woo science. You can find clinics all over the place, um, and you could go get your degree in it. Biofeedback therapy, where, um, and I'm no scientist, so this is kind of just a cherry on top for everybody out there. Um, another rabbit hole you can go down further. It's a way of, through a variety of devices, um, monitoring the rhythms and the functions of your body, whether it be your brain, your heart, and these different things. Uh, because as eclectic and like esoteric as it sounds, um, you know, any any doctor that's involved in the nature of healing people uh, will tell you that there are definitely psychosomatic disorders, and there are um, what's this term? Let me let me find it for you here. Con conversion disorder. Um, a mental health condition that causes physical symptoms. Uh, the symptoms happen because your brain, quote unquote, converts the effects of the mental health issue into disruptions of your brain or nervous system. The symptoms are real, but don't match up with recognized brain-related conditions. It's important to know that conversion disorder is a real mental health condition. It's not just faking or attention-seeking. It's when you and your body, literally your mind and your body become out of sync. And, and because of stress and trauma and tension, um, it isn't just in your head, you know, um, and syncing up with your body in ways that we could scarcely understand just your existence, your own existence and syncing up with your own conduit to existence, you know, defragging your hard drive, cleaning house a little bit, freeing up some RAM. It's all necessary. And when we do these things, when we meditate and when we participate with the active imagination in altruistic ceremonial ways, whether that just be art, you know, or just the life you live around you, you know, there's so many different ways you can do it. And the intention um, and the, the transformation quality are the biggest components. 
I think that's that's what I'm looking for. And those are the people, the people that um, have recognized the need for that because of the dark times and have risen to the occasion and learn more about it and and mastered the art of navigating life. Not because they're enlightened, just because they know it's like the Tao. You know how to work with what's around you. I think if there's any form of enlightenment, it's just learning what not to do, like the Tao. Like, you know, as corny as some people might make Taoism out to be, it, you know, there, there's punchlines in there uh, because of its simplicity, and especially because it's played out now thousands of years later. But the simplicity of Taoism is key. And I think that's the closest thing that my heart rings to a sense of enlightenment, like a genuine altruistic enlightenment. But again, if you don't have humanity in there, that just becomes disillusionment and depersonalization. And um, disillusionment doesn't have to be a bad thing. And as I've said, I, I can relate to that. And I think it's necessary, but all these things can snowball. And I think I'll leave you with that for now. Will send us out of here with some more Doc Hammer. Um, like I said, there's not going to be any serious answers to this. Just, I hope, good food for thought for you. Um, I think that seeking enlightenment is played out. It's a trope. Um, I don't even know if it holds up to what we think it is anymore. Times have changed so much. People, while largely the same... The specificity of our circumstances is so largely different. Until we get better control methods, I wouldn't even trust the nice people saying they're enlightened. Because it's just, they're all just trying to shout from the mountaintop and fuck them. Who needs it? And like I said, if anything, it's boring. So, you know, um, I'm going to keep smoking my weed. I'm going to keep listening to my music and I'm going to continue to try and refine myself but fuck enlightenment i'm not trying to ascend human beings that's for the next lifetime not this lifetime i want to see what it's all about i don't want to detach from it so until next time you fucking space monkeys you take it easy i am anthony tyler this is black hoodie alchemy here on the fringe fm uh, don't worry, we won't be taking a break anytime soon. Now that I'm back, we're going to keep it rolling. So, until then, peace. God, God.